Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Audrey, and I'm your host. Start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly, you are doing the impossible. We know the divorce process can feel impossible, which is why we brought back our favorite divorce lawyer, Erin Levine. Erin founded Hello Divorce and is empowering women across the United States through their divorce journeys by saving them money and helping them become informed experts. This episode is all about things to keep in mind while you're stuck in the middle, but no matter where you are in the divorce process, Erin has endless wisdom to share. Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle is a weekly podcast, so make sure you subscribe to keep up with new episodes we're curating to help empower and uplift you as you embrace your fresh start. This podcast is for you, so join our Facebook group, Worthy Women in Divorce, to let us know what you think and what you want to hear. You can also get more at worthy.com podcast. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with Erin. When you sell a piece of jewelry, you can't control how much it's worth, but you can make sure that you're selling smart with a team of experts and advocates behind you at Worthy. Your engagement ring can be a financial asset that allows you to embrace a new and fulfilling life after divorce. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to learn more. I'm so excited to welcome one of our very favorite partners back to the podcast. You might remember Erin Levine of Hello Divorce. She is one of your favorite experts and for good reason because she is so fun and so smart. And the last time Erin was on, we talked a little bit about what to expect if you're thinking about a divorce. And this episode is going to be all about what to do when you're in the middle of a divorce. So Erin, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. And you know, this is like mutual admiration society because I love (laughs) you. I love your podcast and I've really loved partnering with Worthy. Thank you. Well, we, you know, we, it's not just us who are big fans of yours. Everybody, like it's happened a lot that people are on the podcast and they tell us, oh, I I heard your episode with Erin and I'm obsessed with Hello Divorce now and we love (laughs) Erin. It's like, you know, you are really helping people in such practical ways and you have such important advice at a time when it's so easy for women to feel really overwhelmed and scared and lost. So we are here to bring this information. So let's jump right into it. Great. I mean, I'm here because we have a serious problem with the divorce legal system and in this country, how we talk and look at divorce. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what a lot of your listeners resonate with is the fact that I get that. I want to help change it. And I want to help change the conversation in a way that benefits all of us. So when you move through divorce, you can leave that system in a better place, not a defeated place, but an empowered place ready to embark on the new you. And embrace your fresh start. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And also, I guess before we start, we should also mention that you're in California, but a lot of the advice that you have to give is for women across America, right? Correct. That's right. And I guess we'll we'll talk a little bit about, you know, Hello Divorce is at a really exciting moment, and I'm sure that'll come up as we go through. So if you're wondering if this applies to you, don't worry, Erin has got your back and she will specify when appropriate. So Erin, let's start. I think this is a little bit more general. How long should people expect their divorce to take? I thought you might start with that question. (laughs) 
And it's such a hard question for me because there's like the optimistic me that wants to see everybody finish it within two to three months, which Mm -hmm. is what they're averaging on our platform. But I think, you know, the average divorce in the United States takes somewhere between 12 and 18 months. And that's assuming that it's not too litigated. If things are really messy, really complex, then it will take longer, but not necessarily because you're litigating. Sometimes it involves using an expert and experts take time to appoint and to do their work, but sometimes to use an expert to value community or a joint business to take a look at what cash flow is for purposes of support, right? all sorts of other things that come up. What I try to remind people of is you are dissolving the most complex financial contract most of you will ever experience in your lifetime. And that takes time. Right. And so if you are in this process, what kinds of things can you do to speed it up? I mean, is it something you just have to be patient or what do you recommend people do? There are all kinds of ways to speed it up. It doesn't mean that sometimes those will be met with frustration. I mean, that is certainly the case sometimes, but Mm -hmm. there are all kinds of ways. Because especially if you're working with a lawyer, lawyers have other cases, lawyers have other priorities. Lawyers tend to, like any other expert or person, focus on (laughs) most urgent and what's an emergency. Right. So let's get into some of those. One of the things that you can absolutely do to help speed up your divorce is be 100% transparent, meaning get everything you need on the table to be able to start dividing assets and debts. Mm -hmm. So you're going to need your bank statements. You're going to need your car registration. You are going to need retirement statements. Some people, very few, definitely not me, have (laughs) these statements readily available in their Dropbox folder, but most don't. Right. So you're going to want to get all of that together, and then you're going to want to determine what it is that you need from your spouse, because not everybody has completely joint transparent assets Mm -hmm. and debt to be able to make an educated decision or negotiate from an educated place. So, you know, I don't know if you've noticed on Instagram, we recently started sharing these, I guess they're like sort of like memes. They're these illustrations and they're sort of divorce humor. They're very cute and people seem to really like them. And one of them is it's this really old woman checking her computer and it says something like, this is what I'll look like when my divorce is finalized (laughs) because it's taking so (laughs) long. And people really went crazy for that one. And actually that one we stole the idea from a joke somebody made in our Facebook group. But we know that this is something that it's a pain point for a lot of people is how long it takes for the divorce to become final. And, you know, you're mentioning all of these documents and stuff. And, you know, like you, it would take me quite a while to put that stuff together. But I mean, how do you know all of the stuff that you need to get together? Are there people who can help you navigate this? Sure. There are 
of course, lawyers. Mm -hmm. There are sites like mine. So as an example, if you signed up for the free membership with Hello Divorce and downloaded the Hello Divorce worksheet, now everything in that worksheet isn't going to apply to every state. Mm -hmm. However, the basics are there. So the things that you and the paperwork that you need to get together to be able to start navigating your divorce and work towards an agreement. All of that is in the worksheet. So that's one place that you can definitely go. You know, I have to interrupt you to say that the last time that you were on the podcast, we had like a sea of messages on Instagram from people saying that they joined Hello Divorce, the free membership, just rave reviews. So if you are not sure how to move forward and you haven't checked out Hello Divorce yet, you really should. It really, really helps people. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I I was just on it last night checking content, and Mm -hmm. I was realizing just how much of the resources and tools are not Mm California-specific, number one. And number two, I mean, there are plenty that are California-specific, so if you're outside of California, take the legal advice with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. But there are tons of resources that are geared towards all of us, and This year, we plan to expand to a number of different states. So it might be worth checking back in or sending me an email to find out when and if we're coming to your state. We're so excited about that, by the way. I think it's going to be amazing. So, okay, we talked about having a lawyer and how Hello Divorce can help you. What are some other people that our listeners might consider adding into the mix when they're in the middle of their divorce to help them sort of get through the process smoothly? Sure. So one of the type people that I recommend are certified divorce financial planners. Mm-hmm. So I believe you have had a couple either on your show. We have. So Lori yeah. Itkin, right. one. And Karen Sparks, too. We've had on yes. the podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. She's great. In my locale, there's Mark Flowers, who I, I really like as well. But all of these people can help you with a number of things. Mm -hmm. They can help gather your assets and debts into a spreadsheet. They can help you determine what agreement or what resolution would be in your best financial interest. Mm -hmm. They can help you with financial proposals that you send to your spouse and help you to not only make those proposals, but how you can sell it to your spouse in a way that hopefully they will jump on board. Right. So I I use certified divorce financial planners a lot of times in my own practice Mm -hmm. to help with a number of things because A, they're generally cheaper than lawyers and B, they're a lot better with numbers than lawyers. Mm -hmm. So sometimes finances get messy. For example, one of my clients has a separate property home that she got through an inheritance, but throughout the marriage, her and her husband both contributed to that house. They paid the mortgage, they made improvements, Mm -hmm. they added a deck to their backyard. Well, all of that needs to be sorted out if you are going to claim more of an interest in the home. Mm -hmm. And a great way to do that is to bring in one of these divorce financial analysts or planners to go through all of the statements and the history and the tax returns related to the home and determine who owns what. You're reminding me of something that Lori Itkin once said when she was on the podcast and 
thinking about putting a deck on the backyard of your house and sort of like what the construction process must have been like and the barbecues and everything that you had. Like when you hire a CDFA to help you look at your deck as only, you know, a part of the home and how you're going to divide the assets, it really helps you sort of be freed from that emotional aspect of it. And sometimes that also delays the process. It delays the process, but it takes a lot off of you. Right. It's likely that you could do all of this, especially if you have a financial background. But number one, do you have that time and energy, especially when you are emotionally invested in your own case? And number mm-hmm. two, the court or your spouse or your spouse's attorney is probably a lot more likely to take an analysis seriously if it comes from an outside professional who knows what they're doing. Okay. So we talked about the CDFAs. We talked about hello divorce and a lawyer. And what about a forensic accountant? So a forensic accountant can really be helpful, can also be very expensive. So Mm -hmm. we want to think about when and if a forensic accountant is going to be useful. They do a lot of the same things that a certified divorce financial analyst would do, but they oftentimes take it to the next level. Also, if it's possible to hire a joint one, meaning a mutual one that both you and your spouse and or his attorney or her attorney agree to, then you're in much better shape because Mm -hmm. now you've got a neutral person who's going to help determine cash flow available for support, the value of a business, whether or not your spouse is hiding assets, and Mm -hmm. if so, how much is that? So a forensic accountant can be an excellent tool. We usually use those for more complex or contentious cases. Mm -hmm. And again, you can hire your own as your own expert, But if you can hire a joint one, then that person is going to have a whole lot more credibility with the court because they're neutral and they're an expert in the field. So I certainly recommend forensic accountants in the right Mm -hmm. situation. Right. And is there any any other professionals you want to mention before we move on? I mean, there's like a million different ways you can go. There are. I mean... The way I sort of look at divorce and getting through this transitionary period between filing the divorce or deciding that you're ready for a divorce and actually having the divorce finalized is to first determine what your approach is going to be. And then once you've determined what your approach is going to be, then you can start looking into determining what professionals might work for you. Mm -hmm. So for some people, a private investigator is going to be really important. Mm. So in states where fault divorce is still important, meaning you might be at fault, whether or not your spouse is having an affair, that might be important. In a situation where your spouse has taken out, even in no fault states, where your spouse has taken out thousands of dollars to either give to her or his mistress or take her on lavish trips, sometimes a private investigator might be necessary to track down what your spouse is doing and how much money has been spent Mm -hmm. in order to help build your case. Right. So there are loads of experts. A divorce coach is oftentimes really, really great. Someone like Tara Eisenhardt, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, 
Laura. There's so many great ones that have relationships with Worthy. And they're a peripheral to the divorce in that they don't actually do any of the legal work associated with your divorce, but they can really help you to get through that period of time mm-hmm. that is so challenging, that state of transition, yeah. help you determine what it is that you want and need. You've spent so long taking care of everybody else. How can you focus on you without everything else around you, you know, falling apart? Right. It's such an overwhelming time and it's it can really help to have somebody who's just there to sort of remind you to love yourself and to be there for yourself with all of this going on. That's so true. I recently read a study, and I don't know how accurate it is, but it's been reported on several pretty reputable podcasts. And in it, it said like the top five things that are the most stressful experiences to go through in one's life. And on that list was divorce. Mm. And below that was jail. You're kidding. No. So, you know, what you can take from that is that in some cases, people would prefer to go to jail over being divorced because it's such a challenging time in people's lives. That being said, I've said this before, I've never had a client or a user leave Hello Divorce or Levine Family Law Group when we're done and say, I wish I was still married to that guy. Or I wish I was in jail. Right. <laughs> you know, I, and right. I, actually, I was thinking that too, that, you know, I think one of the things that we're trying to do on our podcast, and I think that Hello Divorce does such a good job of, is helping to change the way that we look at divorce and we experience divorce so that it's not worse than jail. Because listen, like your finances, your family dynamic, your everything that you envisioned your life being is changing. And that is definitely traumatic. But then there's also the way that other people treat you and the stigma that society puts on you that makes it really difficult. And and that's something that we we know that we can help with and we can help you move through it in a smart way. Absolutely. And there are so many ways. And that's what we try to do both through Hello mm-hmm. Divorce and through Worthy and so many of the contributors is help you not just survive this time, but really thrive Mm -hmm. and gain control and feel empowered. So as an example, there might be certain communications between you and your ex that really triggered you during the marriage, whether it felt like you were being controlled or manipulated. And we have so many clients that we are now coaching that are changing the way they respond to their spouse's communications. That's something we see in the group too. And it's so amazing. That's probably my favorite thing about the Facebook group are those stories. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, okay. I want to know, one of the things that, that we hear a lot about from people is, you know, a lot of women maybe put their careers to the side and they were focused on the family and the kids. And now they're in a position where they need to hire a lawyer and their ex is hiring a lawyer and they cannot afford the same kind of lawyer. And I mean, what what do you do in a situation like that when there is somebody else involved in this divorce and you don't get to set all of the, the rules and the parameters for how it's going to go? Yeah. Well, if your spouse has a lawyer, that means you need a lawyer, Mm -hmm. even if it's not full representation, even if it's just coaching, 
or some legal support along the way, I don't advise you going at it alone if your spouse has a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so in some states, like California, you can ask the court for your spouse to pay for your attorney's fees. Okay. It doesn't have anything to do with fault. Who's bad, who's good. It All it has to do with is who has more access to credit, income, and assets. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then you know, in states like California, you'd want to first ask your spouse and that lawyer. If your spouse has a good lawyer, then your spouse's lawyer is going to know that your spouse is going to be liable for some fees. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you can get started pretty quickly on getting some fees or access to a credit card or an account to pay for fees. If not, then we file a motion in court and request fees right off the bat. Mm Mm-hmm. Even if you get your spouse to pay fees or you have access to a way to pay for them, you want to do everything you can to keep the costs down and to pay your lawyer for what you actually need your lawyer to do, which is advise you on the law, problem solve, and if necessary, litigate. So all the other things like what forms do I need and what are the issues that come up in divorce and what are the different ways to go about divorce, mediation, collaboration, lawyering up, all that kind of thing. All of those things you should be learning on your own if possible. Right. I don't know if you caught it, but we did an episode about collaborative divorce with Nicole Qualen. I don't know if you right. – she is a big fan of yours, so I don't know if you've connected with her, but you should. <laughs> Um, And that was a really, it was a really interesting episode. And I learned so much in that one. I think if you don't know what collaborative divorce is, it's a really great place to learn about it. And also, you know, Hello Divorce has all the information you could possibly want. Yeah, collaborative divorces, I I don't know of a state that doesn't offer that option. Oh, really? So just thinking off the top of my head, I know lawyers in almost every state that do collaborative divorce. So I would definitely look into it as an option. It's expensive, but mm-hmm. not as expensive as a highly contested divorce where they're battling things out in court. And right. it's just a lot less painful and disruptive than a litigated divorce. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's no other option. Right. And if that's the case, great. Then let's focus on getting you through a litigated divorce mm-hmm. as quickly and painlessly as possible. But it's a much different beast. Yeah. In that episode, she gave figures on how much it costs a person in a litigated divorce versus collaborative divorce. She talked about her average fees. And I mean, it was it's shocking, the differences. Great. I'm going to have to listen yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. So I think you'll like it too. I wanted to ask though, you know, you mentioned that sometimes court just can't be avoided. And so what are the unspoken rules of divorce court? I mean, you wrote a really great piece for us about what to wear to divorce court. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could start there if you want, but what, what kinds of things should somebody who is headed to court keep in mind? So as far as you know, what to wear, you want to feel like you, Mm -hmm. you don't want to feel like anyone but you, you want to speak your truth and from a place of integrity, but you also want to be really mindful of what you wear. Mm -hmm. So definitely check out that blog posting, but you don't want to walk in with 
a Louis Vuitton bag, for example, mm-hmm. if you are mm-hmm. saying that you need spousal support and you can't afford anything. And by bag, I mean like a brand new one mm-hmm. on trend. <laughs> I mean, you can, but you really, I mean, you, you want to present your best case in the best light. Mm-hmm. And judges do their absolute best to apply the law in a non-biased way. But humans have biases. You wrote about this in that article, and I, I thought it was so, just so totally true. And it's something you don't think about because we we tend to, you know, of course, we hold judges to high standards. But at the end of the day, they're people. And when a person walks in a room, another person makes snap judgments about them, period, whether they're a judge or not. Absolutely. So you want to think about what you're wearing mm-hmm. and how you present. And like church or synagogue clothes are usually best. Mm-hmm. You also want to think about watching your facial expressions as silly as that sounds. We all do it. As a young lawyer, I used to do it all the time when <laughs> opposing counsel or the opposing party was saying something I didn't agree with. I'd be shaking my head or, you know, sort of scrunching up my face. Don't do that. Okay. Judges see it. Clerks see it. And guess what? Clerks are very close with judges and they talk. So really watch your facial expressions. If your ex is saying or his attorney is saying that you are unreasonable and that you get really angry at child custody exchanges and you're sitting on the other side of the table with a really angry look on your face, then it's not going to make the judge very happy. Even if a judge is completely unbiased and neutral, a judge needs to assess credibility. Mm-hmm. And body language and facial expressions is one way that he or she does it. Right. And, the, you know, the flip side of it is if your ex's representation is saying that and you're sitting there cool as a cucumber, you are looking awesome. <laughs> right. So, I, and I want to just draw a, a distinction here. It's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. I have seen and had clients cry, and that is genuine and it is credible. And a good lawyer will tell the court, look, we're going to need to pass this case. My client is having a hard time. We'll come back soon. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you have to, then do what you have to do. But to the extent that you can control your emotions and your facial expressions and your body language, mm-hmm. you've got to, right? Because this, yeah. to a large extent, our legal system is a game and it's how you play that game. And I hate framing it that way, but... It is what it is. And if you're going to play the game, you're going to want someone like Aaron in your corner. So we should take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about court and we're going to talk about mediation and we're just going to keep moving through it. So we will be right back with Aaron. Great. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. Worthy provides the smart solution for women looking to safely elevate their rings from dusty relics of hard times to financial assets to help you embrace your fresh start. Worthy covers the cost of insurance, shipping, grading, and more. So if you're going to sell, sell smart with Worthy. Go to worthy.com podcast to get started. We're ready when you are. We are back with Erin Levine. And Erin, you were giving us pointers for what to keep in mind when you're in the court process. So what else can you tell us? Well, I can tell you that nothing 
bothers a judge more than when a litigant or a lawyer does not answer a question that a judge asks. Okay. So you would be surprised how often judges ask yes or no questions and people just don't answer or asks a question about how Wednesday night visitations are going and the lawyer or the litigant goes into the problem that they had last weekend. Okay. So you will likely have time to talk about what's important to you Mm -hmm. in the courtroom. But in the moment, if a judge is asking you or your lawyer a question, that question needs to be answered. Mm -hmm. The judge feels that that question is important and that the answer to that question is somehow going to affect his or her decision. So to not answer it doesn't give the judge the information that he or she needs. And it's just going to piss him off. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the general thing here is like, act like you're in religious services, dress appropriately, take a deep breath and answer the questions. Like this is not a therapy session or coffee with your girlfriends or, or a place to really communicate how you're feeling and what's going on with you. It's something else. And you should also have an agenda, like a list of Mm -hmm. things that you expect either need to be decided by the court on that day, right? Or the court needs to hear, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of times Well, I will say, you know, Your Honor, if I may, there's a few more things I want to address today. Mm -hmm. If I feel like he or she is closing up the hearing and getting ready to wrap it up. I've also said, look at, I know that this is supposed to be a 20 minute hearing and we are approaching 30 minutes. Would your honor like me to continue now or should we like, should we mm-hmm. continue this court date so that everybody has the opportunity to share what they need to share? Because while we all want finality and a ruling right then and there, if we can't get what we need the court to hear on the record that day, then it's worth kicking out the court date one more time so that we are able to get the court to hear what we need them to hear. Okay. That's really helpful. And I think, you know, you mentioned earlier in the episode that if you can avoid going to court, it's a good thing to do. And we talked a little bit about collaborative divorce. And then there's also mediation. So how can a couple avoid having to go to court? So the couples that work with low divorce are couples that avoid going to court for the most part. Mm -hmm. And they do it in one of two ways, either through mediation, meaning that to the extent they can't come to agreements on all issues, they work with a neutral third-party mediator who helps them to come to an agreement on the issues and assuming that they do, writes that agreement up into either a marital settlement agreement or a divorce judgment so that you can present that to the court and finalize your divorce. Right. So mediation is one option. Another is by negotiating directly, Mm -hmm. either by sitting down in a neutral place and talking about issues that are of importance or by writing letters either between lawyers or between parties and, you know, asking your spouse to write a counter proposal or to agree on, agree on the terms. But if there's, you know, not a whole lot left that you disagree on, or if you think that the issues are pretty simple and that you're likely going to be able to come to an agreement, 
then you don't need to jump to the lawyer up or go to court route. Mm -hmm. If you are in mediation, what are things that that you should keep in mind? What are some recommendations that you can make to ensure that mediation remains a good option? A few things that I would say are meet with a legal coach. So meet with a lawyer who's Mm -hmm. friendly to the mediation process so that that lawyer can get you ready for mediation and that lawyer can help you if you get stuck in mediation and don't know whether a certain proposal is in your best interests or not. Okay. And you want to meet with a legal coach. We have this through Hello Divorce and Levine Law and many other people do across the country that work on an hourly basis. So you don't necessarily need to pay a big retainer Mm -hmm. to work with a lawyer, but rather it's a pay-as-you-go type thing. You also want to choose your mediator wisely. Okay. What does that mean? Okay. So you want to... Get an assessment of your case with a lawyer ahead of time, like this legal coach I just spoke to Mm -hmm. you about, to see what type of mediator might be in your best interest. So if you have a really strong legal case, meaning, you know, that the facts are in your favor, that if you went to court, you'd likely end up with half the property and lots of spousal support and so on and so forth then you want to choose a mediator who takes a more evaluative approach, who really looks at the law and helps you guys form an agreement based on what the law would do. Mm -hmm. If you are looking for a more creative type solution, maybe one that isn't necessarily what a judge would do, but you think would best benefit maybe even the whole reorganization of the family, maybe both of you, then you want to ensure that you use a mediator that is going to be a lot more mindful, creative, that is really looking for both parties to have and receive their must-haves with some compromises along the way. So there are different styles of mediation, and we want to choose our mediators wisely. We also want to ensure that we have an open mind and Mm -hmm. that we are listening carefully It's hard, I know, to Mm. hear when your ex will say things either intentionally or not that are hurtful or untrue or counterproductive. But trust that if you have a good mediator, he or she will be able to see through these unreasonable requests. Mm -hmm. So take a deep breath when communications get heated. Know that you're doing your best to negotiate, that what is coming out of your spouse's mouth is likely not going to be your end result. You don't have to agree to anything that's counter to your best interests, but have an open mind because you also aren't going to come up with your best case scenario in mediation. It's going to be a settlement and Mm -hmm. you're going to have to pick and choose your battles. Right. So you were just talking about how there are pieces of this that can get really heated. And we know that one of the hardest things to negotiate is child custody agreements. So when you start working with your clients at this point, what kind of advice do you find yourself sharing with them? Well, if the child custody issues are particularly heated and my client is realistic Mm -hmm. and has reasonable expectations, then I usually suggest that the parties work with a co-parenting counselor, which is like a mediator, but somebody who is a trained marriage and family therapist or 
has a PhD in a related field that can really help you to come to an agreement that's in your best interests and that of your kids. Sometimes in some states, that mediator can actually become what's called a court's expert. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you'll actually go to court. But what it means is, is that that counselor, if you can't come to an agreement, is going to make some recommendations. And those recommendations are going to be quite persuasive, mm-hmm. which usually mm-hmm. ends up in an agreement between the two parties. So you have people who you work with that do this that you recommend? Absolutely. I mean, right here in the Bay Area, one of our favorites is Chandler Hoffman. Mm -hmm. And he is just extraordinary with hearing both sides and crafting an agreement that makes the most amount of sense. But also, he's not afraid and you want someone who's not afraid to point out when there is an issue. Mm -hmm. So that's really important. Because, you know, whether your child is really young and super bonded to you, and need some extra time with you or a transitionary period where Mm -hmm. your spouse has more time with your child over time. I mean, there's so many issues that come up and you want a a counselor who's like familiar with the issues that come up with kids at different points of their childhood. So maybe we can take a step back and you can tell us a little bit about sort of how the custody decision process works and what it looks like. So it varies from state to state, Mm -hmm. but most states believe that it's better to have two parents involved, even if one or both of them are jerks, than not. Okay. So even if you have a spouse that isn't the best parent, usually the state is going to want that parent to have significant amount of time with the children because as the state views it, better than not having a mother or father at all. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons why you might be getting a divorce is because you couldn't see eye to eye on raising your children. Right. And that's certainly not going to change in the divorce process. So in that way, what you want to be focusing is on damage control. Okay. If your spouse, for example, is really fun but doesn't take anything seriously like school or bedtime, then perhaps you're going to want a Sunday morning or Saturday night exchange instead of the usual Monday morning drop-off or Sunday night Mm -hmm. custody exchange so that you have time to help your kids get readjusted before they start school on Monday. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you're not just taking into account what you need and what's best for you You're also thinking about, okay, I need to be realistic. Unless my spouse is an active addict or abusive to our children, then he or she is likely going to get a lot of time with our kids. How can we do this in such a way that is in our kids' best interest? Right. I mean, I know Hello Divorce is an amazing online resource. What other places or books do you recommend that people go to sort of help them through it, not just, you know, the the legal process, but the emotional drain that custody has on a mother? Like, where do you recommend people go? Oh, that's such a good question. The ones that come to mind right away are Gabrielle Hartley's new book, Better Apart, mm-hmm. which isn't mm-hmm. specifically on child custody, but it is pretty darn amazing. And it definitely touches upon that. 
Mm-hmm. Judge Sue Talia, T-A-L-I-A, wrote a book, How to Avoid the Divorce from Hell. And I love that book. Uh-huh. She first wrote it years and years ago, but she's updated the editions over time. And I think that that book is fantastic. We did an episode called It's Okay to Want a Divorce with Nicole Amatoro, and it's such a mm-hmm. popular episode. And a big part of it is talking about her kids and how, you know, her divorce was now several years ago and her kids are the youngest is 16 and the oldest is in college. And so they're, you know, they're young adults now and they're, there's been a lot of healing and they've kind of grown as people. Yeah. And that's such a worry for people is how it's going to affect their kids long term. And she said that her her daughter said to her that the decision to get a divorce taught her to put herself first and to care about herself and not to just take care of everybody else. So important. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parenting pieces. And Better Apart will help with that too. Mm -hmm. But on that note, I think, you know, I'd probably recommend Zoe Stern's book, Divorce is Not the End of the World, Mm -hmm. Zoe and Evan's Coping Guide for Kids. That's a good one. If you are in a high conflict divorce or you are divorcing someone with a personality disorder, mm-hmm. then the two I like for that, one is called splitting. Okay. Protecting yourself while divorcing someone with a narcissistic personality disorder. And the other is called the high conflict custody battle. Protect yourself and your kids from a toxic divorce. Yeah. That actually, that's reminding me, we also did an episode with Ashley Hansen, and her blog is Our Splendid Life, and she had a very high-conflict custody battle, which she talks about in the episode. It's a, it's also a really good episode. I adore her. Yeah, she's, she's so great. So, okay. Is there anything else we want to say about custody? Do you want to talk about co-parenting? I think, you know, what I want to say is just to give you a couple more tips while mm-hmm. you have me. One is that, you know, if you have a spouse who is going to have a really hard time committing to a schedule, that is going to drive you bonkers. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion is to get as tight of an agreement or court order as possible in terms of, you know, drop off times, how and when you communicate. Things like that. So either your spouse is going to follow it, your soon-to-be ex-spouse, which is great because then you can set aside time to take care of you and your kids know what to expect and have a more stable upbringing. Or your spouse doesn't follow it. And if he or she doesn't, then you're going to have a much better case when you go back to negotiation or court to change the custody arrangement. Okay. And then also to think about holidays and vacations as far in advance as possible so that you're not doing what a lot of people are doing in my office this week and next, which is trying to figure out what to do on Thanksgiving and Christmas on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Oh, wow. We're we're working on our holiday campaign, and it's all about transitions and traditions and sort of balancing the way that, you know, holidays have always been for you and the way that they are now and embracing the good parts of that and coping with the moments that are difficult. And we we were talking about it because at Worthy, you know, a lot of our clients obviously are women who are going through a divorce, but we're starting to see a lot of people in 
later stages of their life that are, you know, they're selling their house and they're downsizing. And so there's those people are also selling jewelry with us. And we were talking about how a lot of the time, these are people who maybe their children are getting married and their kids are with their in-laws for the holidays. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. the holidays are changing in so many ways for so many people. And how you find ways to to honor sort of what was and enjoy what is, especially as the, the faces change. And so the reason I share that is I hope that thinking about that as sort of, you know, the long way that that life goes as people come in and out of our lives. And of course, you know, you lose loved ones as they pass away too, and and how holidays are always changing. So we like to think of of our holidays as a perfect picture. And this is how it's supposed to be. But of course, it's it's really not like that for anyone, just like families. I am so excited to see what you guys put forward because it sounds like you've thought about all the stuff. I mean, holidays are oftentimes really raw. Right. Even when we're not going through a divorce, they're just a raw time. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be perfect and then it can be right. a letdown and right. Oh, they are so hard for me. Like anyone who's an empathetic or who is introspective. It's it's a hard time. And so what I, you know, what I always try to do is honor one or two of the traditions that my kids have had since birth and create new ones. Well, you're going to have to write about it for us now, Erin. <laughs> sure. I mean, they can be as simple as, you know, on Christmas Eve every year, and I'm Jewish, but mm-hmm. my kids are half Christian. And On Christmas Eve every year, they get new jammies, and they're matching jammies for all of us. And that's something that they look forward to. It's a tradition. It's sweet because we each open one gift in those new jammies, and we have pictures. Mm -hmm. And so new traditions don't need to be expensive or, you know, extensive. But um, it is fun, and it's a way to increase the morale. Yeah. And I think, and also to take control of your holidays to, you know, the holiday is not in control and the stigma or the pressure of what it's supposed to be is not in control. You are, and you are Mm -hmm. writing your own story. So you get to decide what it's going to look like. I think that's a, a helpful way if your holidays are not maybe your first choice this year. So we Probably, we've been talking for a while and I want to keep talking, but I want to make sure that we get to spousal support because we haven't touched on that. And I know that's something that, especially in the middle of a divorce, it's probably something people have a lot of questions about. So can you help us understand sort of spousal support and if it's okay to ask for it, when to ask for it? How does this work? Yeah. So one thing that everyone should be aware of is that effective January 1st, 2019, Spousal support is no longer going to be tax deductible by the paying spouse Mm -hmm. or counted as income for the spouse that's receiving spousal support. So if you already have a judgment and you already have an order, that's not going to change. But if you are negotiating your divorce or litigating your divorce in 2019, then you should be aware of that. And so the spousal support that you might have seen your friend get or your sister is going to be very different than the numbers that you will see you get or you have to pay going forward because that tax benefit to the payor is going away. Right. So 
The first thing is, is that if you are calculating spousal support, you want to make sure you're using a program or a lawyer who understands that that law is going to change and has the appropriate software to help you out. Okay. What if you're both working? I mean, who who should be asking for spousal support? What kind of things should people keep in mind as they approach it? Well, if you're both working, but one party makes a lot more money than the other, then there's probably a reasonable spousal support claim there. Mm-hmm. And even mm-hmm. if you don't need all the spousal support that you would be receiving, and I think that's a probably a small population because usually the spousal support isn't doesn't even feel like enough. But mm-hmm. if you don't need mm-hmm. it all, you can still use that as leverage for something else. So maybe I'll take a little less spousal support or a lot less spousal support to keep the family home because Mm -hmm. I know that's an asset that is appreciating. I know that the mortgage is lower than I'd have to pay for rent and so on and so forth. So whether you are making more or less than your spouse, it's a real issue that impacts almost every state. I don't believe that there's alimony in Texas. If there mm-hmm. is, then I'm sorry, but my last look, there wasn't. So it impacts almost every state. You want to find out what the law in your state is and whether or not you have exposure to pay it or if you will likely receive it and how much. And then you likely want to ask for it very soon into your divorce, because if you don't, then a couple things might happen. Number one is you might be waiving it for a specific period of time. Okay. Or number two is if you're able to support yourself for a year and then you ask for spousal support, the judge might look pretty critically at that. Like say, hey, you were able to support yourself for a year. What changed? Right. And if something's changed, that's important. But if nothing has changed, a judge might look at your case and say, you know, hey, you've been able to support yourself before. Why now? Mm -hmm. That's good to keep in mind. I don't don't think that I have ever heard of that or thought of that. So that's uh, helpful, especially if you're in the beginning of the process. So I've got one last question, but is there anything before we jump to that that you want to make sure that we include? I know, I mean, you're like an encyclopedia of knowledge, and I know, you know, this is not the last time that we'll have you on, and of course, people mm-hmm. can find you at hellodivorce.com and enjoy all of the resources that you make available, but as far as this discussion about what to keep in mind when you're in the middle of divorce, is there anything that you want to make sure we include? Well, You know me, and you know probably what I'm going to say here, (laughs) which is self-care. That is number one, taking care of yourself throughout the divorce, specifically in this time that we've talked about today, the transitionary Mm -hmm. time between starting the divorce and concluding the process. I just can't stress it enough. And so whatever it takes to take care of you. If it's yoga, if it's reading a bunch of quotes each day about strong women and empowering motivational quotes, then do it. Build your tribe of people who you can talk to. I mean, the tribe that we've got on your worthy Facebook group is amazing. It's really special. Sometimes it's important to look outside of your network. You've talked about this cultural stigma. And so sometimes it doesn't feel very good or supportive. To go to the people that know you best, sometimes it's really nice to go with strangers or people that you're forming new relationships with. Yeah. And I think also, you know, that that community aspect also 
seeing that other people are going through the same thing that you are makes it a lot easier. I see every single day, I see somebody comment on someone else's post saying, I feel like I could have written this about my life. That's my story. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's so easy to feel so alone. Even if your family is, you know, not feeding into the stigma and they're completely supportive, just having somebody who who gets it because they're in it too is a it's a different feeling it's a different sort of care yes absolutely so take a break from those judgy thoughts and if you need mm-hmm. a confidence boost go to that facebook group you will get it and as far as inspirational quotes go we've got those too <laughs> yes we both do definitely yeah. hit up our instagrams mm-hmm. mine's at hello divorce And get started on your self-care plan. So we have a free self-care worksheet available at Hello Divorce. And it was in collaboration with one of my favorite women and teen therapists, Annie Wright. And it's awesome. So if it can help you, I would love that. I love that you included that because... I really only asked you legal questions. <laughs> and my <laughs> my last question is kind of a callback to that, but it it is so true. And and one of the things that you mentioned when you were talking about self-care is that you said this moment of transition. And that's another thing I think is really important to remember is that this is a really overwhelming time and change is so scary, but it's a transition, which means that this feeling is not permanent and this stage of life is not forever. It really helps to keep that in mind that like, yes, it's hard, but it's not forever. There's an end coming. Yeah. I think we share a brain. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was about to say that. (laughs) So now I feel like I'm taking a negative step backwards now for our last question, but For our listeners who are trying to move through this process as smoothly as possible with, you know, as little conflict as possible, what are the common missteps that you see your clients making? And what kind of advice can you share with our listeners so that they can avoid making those same mistakes? Well, so a common misstep is definitely jumping to court before something is urgent or before trying to resolve it with your mm-hmm. spouse. I mean, there are exceptions, especially when it comes to the safety of your children. Right. But I really do think it's important to look at all the different ways that you can go about divorce and see if you can set some initial ground rules with your spouse before you jump into full-fledged war. Not spending an hour or two at a minimum with a legal coach can also be a big mistake, even if you have a short-term marriage with low or no assets. There are things that come up. Again, you are dissolving the most complex financial contract of your life. You need to think about everything, including will that Visa credit card debt that my husband charged be assigned to me? And how do I protect myself from being liable on the student loans that he's in default on? Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's really important to consult with a lawyer, even if it's not for very long, just to make sure you're on the right path and your divorce is as simple as you think it is. Right. I mean, I think I have to say this episode is so full of information. I feel like we covered so much and you know, like I said before, there's there's no limit to your knowledge. And 
I just love how available you make yourself to women. And now it's going to be across the country. And I'm just so happy that we get to partner with you and to help bring your voice to other people. So thank you so much, Erin, for being on. Oh, you're welcome anytime. You know, I love you and this podcast. So I hope to be on it again soon. We look forward to having you back and to continuing these conversations. And here is to self-care and to fresh start and to being able to build the life of your dreams as an empowered woman with the help of Hello Divorce and Worthy. Absolutely. Thanks again to Erin for joining us and to all of you for listening. We wanted to remind you guys to join our Facebook group, Worthy Women and Divorce. We are so blown away by the conversations going on in this group, and we want to make sure you're a part of what's shaping the topics we feature here. It's a great way to interact with our blog and learn more about our platform, so we hope to see you there soon. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your feed weekly. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. Worthy is an online auction platform designed to help you sell valuable items like an engagement ring or a wedding set. When you decide to send your ring in, we pay for the shipping and insurance to ensure that it arrives safely to our New York office. Once we receive the ring, we have it professionally graded and photographed, which helps it sell competitively in our buyer network. One of the best parts of working with Worthy is that you get to set the minimum on your item. After the grading, our gemologists will give you a recommended selling minimum, but at the end of the day, you get to decide how much you want to sell the ring for. If the highest bid comes in below that threshold and you decide not to accept it, we'll send you your ring back and we'll even cover the costs of the insured shipping again. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Are you ready to embrace your fresh start? Us too. Go to worthy.com podcast to learn more.